The Letter to the Philippians from the Twentieth Century New Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter. www.authenticlight.org. The Twentieth Century New Testament by a company of about twenty scholars. The Letter to the Philippians. Introduction in chapters 1 through 4. Introduction. St. Paul's letter to the Christians at Philippi, written probably during his imprisonment at Rome about 62 A.D. Philippi was a Roman military station in Macedonia, and the first place in Europe at which St. Paul is known to have preached, Acts 16, verse 12. The apostle gained many converts there, but his stay was cut short by persecution. Subsequently, he twice revisited the town, Acts chapter 20, verses 2 and 6. The Philippian Christians appeared to have cherished a specially warm affection for the apostle. Although their own means were but slender, they repeatedly contributed to his support with great generosity, Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Upon hearing of his imprisonment at Rome, they sent Epaphroditus to carry their gifts to him and assure him of their heartfelt sympathy, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. While in Rome, Epaphroditus fell ill. Upon his recovery, St. Paul sent this letter by him to Philippi, expressing to the members of the church there his gratitude for their kindness and urging them to unity and humility. The letter expresses warm personal affection and contains counsel and warning to the apostles' converts, mingled with kindly messages and encouragement. It was written at a time when his trial before the emperor Nero was drawing to an end, and when St. Paul was daily awaiting the issue. His friends had deserted him, death stared him in the face, and yet the letter sounds a note of confidence and joy. Chapter 1 To all Christ's people at Philippi, with the presiding officers and assistants, from Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ bless you and give you peace. Every recollection that I have of you is a cause of thankfulness to God, always in every prayer that I offer for you all and my prayers are full of joy, because of the share that you have had in spreading the good news from the first day that you received it until now. For of this I am confident, that he who began a good work in you will complete it in readiness for the day of Jesus Christ. And indeed, I am justified in feeling thus about you all, because you have a warm place in my heart, you who all, both in my imprisonment and in the work of defending and establishing the good news, shared my privilege with me. God will bear me witness how I yearn over you all with the tenderness of Christ Jesus. And what I pray for is this, that your love may grow yet stronger and stronger with increasing knowledge and all discernment until you are able to appreciate all moral distinctions. And I pray, too, that you may be kept pure and blameless against the day of Christ, bearing a rich harvest of that righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Brothers, I want you to realize that what has happened to me has actually served to forward the good news. It has even become evident not only to all the imperial guard, but to everyone else, that it is for Christ's sake that I am in chains. And besides this, most of our brothers have gained confidence in the Lord through my chains, and now venture with far greater freedom to speak of God's message fearlessly. It is true that some do proclaim the Christ out of jealousy and opposition, but there are others who proclaim him from goodwill. 
the latter do it from love for me, knowing that I have been appointed to plead the cause of the good news. The former spread the news of the Christ in a factious spirit, and not sincerely, thinking to add to the pain of my chains. But what of that? Only that, in some way or other, either with assumed or with real earnestness, Christ is being made known, and at that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that, through your prayers and through a rich supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, all this will make for my salvation, and this will fulfill my earnest expectation and hope that I shall have no cause for shame, but that with unfailing courage, now as hitherto, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by my life or by my death. For to me life is Christ, and death is gain. But what if the life here in the body, if this brings me fruit from my labours? Then which to choose I cannot tell. I am sorely perplexed either way. My own desire is to depart and be with Christ, for this would be far better. But for your sakes it may be more needful that I should still remain here in the body. Yes, I am confident that this is so, and therefore I am sure that I shall stay, and stay near you all, to promote your progress and joy in the faith, so that when you once more have me among you, you in your union with Christ Jesus may find in me fresh cause for exaltation. Under all circumstances, let your lives be worthy of the good news of the Christ, so that whether I come and see you, or whether I hear of your affairs at a distance, I may know that you are standing firm, animated by one spirit, and joining with one heart in a common struggle for the faith taught by the good news, without ever shirking from your opponents. To them this will be a sign of their destruction, and of your salvation, a sign from God. For on behalf of Christ you have had the privilege granted you not only of trusting in Him, but also of suffering on His behalf. You will be engaged in the same hard struggle as that which you once saw me waging, and which you hear that I am waging still. Chapter 2 If then any encouragement comes through union with Christ, if there is any persuasive power in love, if there is any communion with the Spirit, if there is any tenderness or pity, I entreat you to make my happiness complete. Live together, animated by the same Spirit, and in mutual love, one in heart, animated by one Spirit. Nothing should be done in a factious spirit or from vanity, but each of you should, with all humility, regard others as of more account than himself, and one and all should consider not only their own interests, but also the interests of others. Let the Spirit of Jesus Christ be yours also. Though the divine nature was his from the beginning, yet he did not look upon equality with God as above all things to be clung to, but impoverished himself by taking the nature of a servant and becoming like men. He appeared among us as a man, and still further humbled himself by submitting even to death, to death on a cross. And that is why God raised him to the very highest place, and gave him the name which stands above all other names, so that in adoration of the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue should acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always been obedient in the past, so now work out your own salvation with anxious care, not only when I am with you, but all the more now that I am absent. Remember, it is God who in his kindness is at work within you, enabling you both to will and to work. In all that you do, avoid murmuring and dissension, so as to prove yourselves blameless and innocent, 
faultless children of God in the midst of an evil-disposed and perverse generation in which you are seen shining like stars in a dark world, offering to men the message of life. And then I shall be able, at the day of Christ, to boast that I did not run my course for nothing, or toil for nothing. And yet, even if, when your faith is offered as a sacrifice to God, my lifeblood must be poured out in addition, still I shall rejoice and share the joy of you all, and do you also rejoice and share my joy. I hope, however, as one who trusts in the Lord Jesus, to send Timothy to you before long, so that I may myself be cheered by receiving news of you. For I have no one but him to send, no one of kindred spirit who would take the same genuine interest in your welfare. They are all pursuing their own aims, and not those of Christ Jesus. But you know what Timothy has proved himself to be, and how, like a child working for his father, he worked hard with me in spreading the good news. It is Timothy, then, whom I hope to send, as soon as ever I can foresee how it will go with me. And I am confident, as one who trusts in the Lord Jesus, that before long I myself shall follow. Still, I think it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you now, for he is my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and he was also your messenger to help me in my need. For he has been longing to see you all, and has been distressed because you heard of his illness. And I can assure you that his illness very nearly proved fatal. But God had pity on him, and not on him only, but also on me, that I might not have sorrow upon sorrow. I am all the more ready, therefore, to send him, so that the sight of him may revive your spirits, and my own sorrow be lightened. Give him, then, the heartiest of Christian welcomes, and hold such men in great honour, for it was owing to his devotion to the Master's work that he was at the point of death, having risked his own life in the effort to supply what was wanting in the help that you sent me. Chapter 3 In conclusion, my brothers, all joy be yours in your union with the Lord. To repeat what I have already said does not weary me, and is the safe course for you. Beware of those dogs, beware of those mischievous workers, beware of the men who mutilate themselves. For it is we who are the circumcised, we whose worship is prompted by the Spirit of God, who exalt in Christ Jesus, and who do not rely upon external privileges. Though I, if any man, have cause to rely even upon them, if any one thinks he can rely upon external privileges, far more can I. I was circumcised when eight days old. I am an Israelite by birth and of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew and the child of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to such righteousness as is due to the law, I proved myself blameless. But all the things which I once held to be gains I have now for the Christ's sake come to count as loss. More than that, I count everything as loss for the sake of the exceeding value of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake I have lost everything, and count it as refuse, if I may but gain Christ and be found in union with him. Any righteousness that I have being not the righteousness that results from law, but the righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is derived from God and is founded on faith. Then indeed I shall know Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and all that it means to share his sufferings, in the hope that, if I become like him in his death, I may possibly attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already laid hold of it, or that I am already made perfect. But I press on, in the hope of actually laying hold of that for which indeed I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. For I, brothers, do not regard myself as having yet laid hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, 
and straining every nerve for that which lies in front, I press on to the goal, to gain the prize of that heavenward call which God gave me through Christ Jesus. Let all of us, then, whose faith is mature, think thus. Then, if on any matter you think otherwise, God will make that also plain to you. Only we are bound to order our lives by what we have already attained. Brothers, unite in following my example, and fix your eyes on those who are living by the pattern which we have set you. For there are many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, who are living in enmity to the cross of the Christ. The end of such men is ruin, for their appetites are their God, and they glory in their shame. Their minds are given up to earthly things. But the state of which we are citizens is in heaven, and it is from heaven that we are eagerly looking for a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the exercise of his power to bring everything into subjection to himself, will make this body that we have in our humiliation like to that body which he has in his glory. Chapter 4 So then, my dear brothers, whom I am longing to see, you who are my joy and my crown, stand fast in union with the Lord, dear friends. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche, to live in harmony in union with the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true comrade, to help them, remembering that they toiled by my side in spreading the good news, and so did Clement and my other fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. All joy be yours at all time in our union with the Lord. Again, I repeat, all joy be yours. Let your forbearing spirit be plain to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but under all circumstances, by prayer and entreaty, joined with thanksgiving, make your needs known to God. Then the peace of God, which is beyond all human understanding, will stand guard over your hearts and thoughts through your union with Christ Jesus. In conclusion, brothers, wherever you find anything true or honorable, righteous or pure, lovable or praiseworthy, or if virtue and honor have any meaning, there let your thoughts dwell. All that you learnt and received and heard and saw in me put into practice continually, and then God, the giver of peace, will be with you. It was a matter of great joy to me, as one in union with the Lord, that at length your interest in me had revived. The interest indeed you had, but not the opportunity. Do not think that I am saying this under the pressure of want, for I, however I am placed, have learnt to be independent of circumstances. I know how to face humble circumstances, and I know how to face prosperity. Into all and every human experience I have been initiated, into plenty and hunger, into prosperity and want. I can do everything in the strength of him who makes me strong. Yet you have acted nobly in sharing my troubles. And you at Philippi know as well as I that in the early days of the good news, at the time when I had just left Macedonia, no church, with the one exception of yourselves, had anything to do with me, as far as giving and receiving are concerned. Indeed, even while I was still in Thessalonica, you sent more than once to receive my wants. It is not that I am anxious for your gifts, but I am anxious to see the abundant return that will be placed to your account. I have enough of everything, and to spare. My wants are fully satisfied, now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts which you sent me, the sweet fragrance of a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God, out of the greatness of his wealth, will in glory fully satisfy your every need through your union with Christ Jesus. To him, our God and Father, be ascribed all glory for ever and ever. 
Amen. Give my greeting to every one of the people of Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. All Christ's people here, and especially those who belong to the Emperor's household, send theirs. May the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ rest on your souls. End of the Letter to the Philippians